Last Sunday, Lamb preached at a young adult service from 2 Timothy. And he, he chose a passage that is reflective of the days in which we're living. And Paul is telling Timothy, this young man, that he's to watch out for certain things that are going to cause trouble. And the Lord obviously places on Lamb's heart. Now, the words of this, Paul is saying to Timothy, understand this, that in the last days, we're living in the last days. Jesus is going to come back, and these are the last days. They were the last days when the disciples were alive. They're still the last days, the last days of the world in which we live. You know, people want to say that the world is going to last forever. It's not. It's going to come to an end. And God is wanting us to hear his message of salvation so that we don't come to an end when it comes to an end. And Paul says this, times of difficulty are going to come. And I'm sure you're facing difficulties. I'm certainly facing them every day. And increasingly so because there is more deception taking place in the world. And Paul just says this, for people will be lovers of self. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, etc. The first thing he says is people will be lovers of self. Now you might think, oh, that's a good thing. (laughs) God is going to tell you today, that's not a good thing. And this is going to challenge the way we think about life. Because much of what we are receiving in our education systems and everything is you need to love yourself. It's actually contrary to what the Bible teaches. That sounds a little bit challenging, doesn't it? Paul makes the bold statement here that times of difficulty will be related to people who love themselves. Lovers of self. His claim is that many of the problems that followers of Christ will experience will come from those who love themselves. This almost sounds like blasphemy today. And to say this is a bit of a shock to the system. We live in an age when the foundation of so much that is taught to our young people, undergirds our society in which we live, is the philosophy that we just need to love ourselves. Love yourself. The self-life is something you need to look after. You need to nurture it. You need to believe in it, assert it, protect it at all costs, this self-life. In fact, there are whole areas of of counselling today that focus purely on this. Much counselling offered in contemporary society is actually based on the philosophy of the Enlightenment. Now, this is a, a way of thinking, young people, that came about in the 18th century, which is a long time ago, but it's influenced all the education systems that we operate in the West And it is pushing out God. 
you can see it happening. It's pushing God out. And so what is that philosophy that was introduced in the Enlightenment? Well, there was a man called Immanuel Kant. He was a philosopher and he was thinking about the world in which we live. And interestingly, what he says is kind of true, but it leaves out the vital thing that you and I need to know. See, Kant believed that the phenomenal world, the world in which we uh, uh, experience, touch, feel, um, the uh, phenomena, the things that we can see and, and, and our own selves, couldn't be connected to the noumenal or the perfect, the heavenly realm. That's ultimately what he said. And in one way, he's true. Because sinful man has been separated from God. And Kant, living in that realm, said this is the basis of life. So you basically have to, you know, look after number one. (laughs) What you can see, what you can feel, what you can experience, that's basically all you're going to have to have. But you see, Kant introduced this philosophy, and it's influenced so so many... uh, Um, areas of professional thinking actually in our society in that concept that the phenomenal world cannot be connected to the noumenal world there's no interaction you end up with laws like we have in Victoria now that say this introduced in 2021 change or suppression conversion practices prohibition act Basically, what you are can't change. You can't change. You are who you are. You know, if you believe you're a boy, well, that's that's what you think you are. That that can't change. If you believe that you've transferred into some other gender or whatever, that can't change. And in fact, there are laws now to stop anybody telling you you can change. Because at the foundation of this thinking is the phenomenal world is separated from the noumenal world. Well, you're trapped, in other words, into your self-life. Whatever you believe that self-life to be, you're trapped in it, that's who you are, and nothing can change. Well, to challenge the condition of your self-life is to attack your very existence. To challenge your self-life would be to challenge your existence. That's why people will argue with you, but, you know, don't tell me I'm not this or that. I can't change. I was born like that. Exactly, you were. You were born a sinner. You were born corrupt. That's who you are. That's what the Bible reveals to us. This is why there is such conflict between those who declare that the sinful life can be completely changed and preach the message you're going to hear here today. And I trust you've been hearing many times. You can be completely changed because the noumenal world has entered the phenomenal world in the person of Jesus. The perfect realm has actually penetrated this broken and phenomenal realm in the person of Jesus Christ. 
You know, when I was growing up, young people, I played lots of sport. And the coaches used to say, you just got to believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. You know, I guess they might have been thinking they saw talents or something that I had. You just believe in yourself. You'll be, you'll be, fan- you'll be great. Do you know, I'd just become a Christian at this time. And I knew how rotten I was. I knew how I fell into sexual sins and lying and deceiving. I knew how these things were just, I couldn't, I thought I couldn't get free from them until I came to know Jesus. And he set me free. You just got to believe in yourself. That's what they used to say to me. I was a sinner. Do you know, we sing a hymn of praise and you will have sung it many times. I wonder whether you believe what you sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a... What was that? A wretch like me. Is that what you believe? You see, (laughs) it's not... The self-life is wretched. It's polluted with sin and corruption. And if you try to nurture it and build it up, you're actually operating against Jesus. You're going to hear what he's going to say in a moment. It saved a wretch like me. Amazing grace. And it's only really amazing when you see how wretched you are. It's not amazing if you think, oh, well, you know, I can make some improvements to myself, you know, just add a few good qualities and, and uh, you know, get a few, few bad ones I'll get rid of and add a few extra ones in and, and I'll be a better person. That's basically the philosophy of the world in which we live. And it's completely false. Well, we have a multitude of counsellors who begin their counselling sessions with the premise that the self-life must be improved, refurbished, renovated or comforted. Sadly, this is completely contrary to the message of Christianity. Jesus does not say to Nicodemus, you must be born again while still believing that the self-life can be resurrected. Or the self-life has any good in it. He doesn't say to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You can't even see the kingdom of God until you're born again. Because that self-life of yours is totally corrupt. It's wretched. Jesus knows our real need. You actually need to be converted. You know, suppression of conversion practices. Well, that is definitely coming against what we're preaching today. And uh, I don't know what the laws of the land are going to do to Christians who keep proclaiming this truth, but uh, we may end up uh, having to face courts and all sorts of things who challenge us because we do not believe what the world says we should believe, which the self-life has some... in. Inherent goodness about it. It has no goodness about it at all. You must be born again. 
you must receive from the noumenal world that Kant talked about a gift from God to make you a new person. Well, this is what Arnus was talking to the children about today. This is what the message of Christianity is. You must be born again. You know, when God rescued his people from Egypt and they were stuck in Egypt, they were crying out for God to rescue them from the bondage of Pharaoh and all the troubles they were in. Uh, it's a bit of a picture, if you like, of your life sometimes, you know. I don't know about you, Anna, but when I was about your age, I used to feel, Lord, can I get free of this stuff that I do? You can. You can. You can be a completely new person. A child of God receiving his spirit inside you to transform you. That's the good news. And it counters all the thinking the world is presenting to us about the self-life. Well, these people were in Egypt and God rescued them. He brought them out and he led them to Mount Sinai where he wanted to meet with them. And then he spoke to them from the mountain. And as he spoke to them, he gave them the Ten Commandments. You know, every single commandment in those Ten Commandments is against the self-life. It's against the self-life. You shall not steal. You shall not lie. You shall not... It's against the self-life that does these things. And the people who were listening to this they're at the bottom of the mountain. They heard God speak. And we record here in, in Exodus 20. Now, when all the people saw the thunder, flashes of lightning. Have you got some flashes of lightning happening here today? No. Maybe there's some flashes of lightning happening for you. I hope there are. Flashes of lightning. Awakening you out of a, a state of, of, of being influenced by the world's thinking. And you can't, by the way, you can't mix these two together. Some people think they can marry the world's thinking with God's. You cannot do it. It is impossible. You will muck up God's thinking. Anyway, the people heard the thunder, lightning, etc. And then they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us lest we Die. <laughs> See, they knew that if they were going to keep hearing God speak, they were going to die. The self-life was going to have to come to an end. They didn't want to hear God anymore because he challenged the self-life all the time. Oh, he always does. He does that with me. He'll do that with you because he knows it's corrupt. And he wants you to experience a whole new life, a whole new dimension from heaven. Now, how then could Moses speak to God and not die? Have you ever thought about that? The people didn't want to hear God. They said they'd die if they heard God. But Moses was hearing God. What is the description of Moses in the Bible? Numbers 12 says this, Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who are on the face of the earth. 
his self-life was virtually dead. That's what meekness is. It's complete surrender. Complete surrender. And at one point, he didn't surrender, did he? God told him to speak to a rock and out of it would come water and his self-life rose up and struck the rock in frustration and God said, right, you can't have what I promised. You see the self-life? It absolutely opposes God. And so if you go on living your self-life, you will just go on opposing God. You will just go on opposing him, opposing him, opposing him. If you nurture someone's self-life, you will lead them to oppose God, oppose God, oppose God. You have to show them graciously that like you, they are a wretch and they need to be born again from heaven. And they can be. It's a reality. Well, you know, God made a covenant with the people there at the mountain, but he knew that that covenant was not going to be sufficient to actually accomplish what he wanted to do in people's lives. And so he said this in the Old Testament, he says, I will make a new covenant. I will put my law within them. This is Jeremiah 31. And I'll write it on their hearts. And in Ezekiel, he says, I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put in you. This is the promise. This is the reality. This is the good news of Jesus. He actually accomplishes this new covenant for us. You know, at the Lord's Supper, what does he say? This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This makes it possible for you to be born again. To receive from God a completely new life. And so he says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, I know you've studied all the scriptures and all the words, but Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Michael, you might be preaching, you need to be born again. John Wesley kept preaching and he wasn't born again until later in his life, God touched him and showed him he needed to be born again. Receive from heaven this new life. Well, what did Jesus actually say about following him? Well, in Luke 9, he says this. If anyone comes after me, let him deny himself. Deny self. So just think, parents, counsellors, people, don't nurture self. Recognize self needs to be put on the cross. The self-life opposes God. It's the life of the Spirit of God, only the Spirit of God that can please God. Anyone come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Daily. You know when you're lying in bed in the mornings? Um, I'm sure this is true for you, Anna. It was true for me. You don't have to feel ashamed about this at all. It's just a reality of what we're like. You don't want to get up, do you? You're just nice and cosy in bed. 
Actually, there's a lot of people around you thinking exactly the same thing, some older ones than you. Right? You're lying in there. Oh, it's all cosy. Pre-meeting at six, quarter to six. Oh, no, I can't get up this morning. I just can't do that. There's so much self-life that wants to rule us and actually it takes us away from connecting with God in so many different ways. And last Sunday I talked about marriage and wives being submissive to your husbands. This is an incredibly challenging thing, wives, I know. But I know if you do it, what will happen? You will enter into that intimacy with God. Because actually what you're doing is dying to self. Dying to self. And then Jesus says in Luke 9, whoever would save his life, this self-life, try and save it, will lose it. But whoever loses his life, his self-life, for my sake, will save it. Because he'll give you his life in place. Well, that's Luke 9. Now, just before he was to suffer, we read this morning from John chapter 12, just before Jesus is going to suffer on the cross, some Greeks come, you know, the Jewish people have been wanting to see Jesus, but these Greeks come and say, we want to see Jesus. And Jesus knows right then that he needs to die on the cross because that's where they need to see him. (laughs) Not doing miracles and kind of performing great things, you know, feeding 5,000, these people need to see him dying on the cross. That's where they're going to see the way into the new life that is in Christ. So he says this, you know, Andrew comes, Philip went to Andrew, Andrew and Philip went to Jesus and said, the hour, Jesus said to them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And then he says this, whoever loves his life loses it. And now look what he says. This is Jesus. It's not me, this is Jesus. Whoever hates his life Is that what you counsel people to do? (laughs) Whoever hates the self-life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, when John Wesley wrote that hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a... You need to speak up a bit. I think you've been receiving a lot of counselling about your self-life that is no good. You need, to, you need to speak out the truth. A wretch like me. What does Paul tell us in chapter 7 of Romans? He describes the gospel and then he comes to the end of Romans 7 and he says, let me read it to you so I'll read it exactly. This is Paul, the man who was vehemently opposing these people who were born again, who had the Holy Spirit in them, who didn't seem to be doing just what the law told them to do. They were just amazingly radiating the love of God like Stephen, who was stoned to death and loved his enemies. How can you do that? 
You like to do that, Anna? Love your enemies? I found it incredibly hard. I couldn't do it. But you can. With this life, you can do the impossible. Some of you young people who have seen me preach a lot, I was so petrified. When I first got called to be a man, I couldn't, couldn't speak. I couldn't speak in front of people. I, I, I couldn't do it. For four hours, I said, <laughs> people prayed for me. For four hours, I was so nervous. And then I stood in the place where God called me, and suddenly it all came. I, don't know where, I know where it came from. It came from God. Supernatural life. And God wants you to experience this supernatural life. But you have to crucify the self-life. You know, the life is, I can't do that. I, I can't go and talk in front of people. What are they going to think of me? What are they going to think of me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the problem. You're thinking about yourself, you see. The self-life. Well, in Romans 7, Paul says this. At the end of chapter 7, he says, wretched man that I am. Why does he say that? Because he says, well, I know that no good dwells in me. I have the desire to do what is right, but I can't do it. I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do is what I do. That's what I used to do. All the time as a young person, I used to hide it from other people. I wanted to do what was right, but I actually wasn't doing it. And so Paul says, wretched man that I am. Friends, you have to get to a point where you really know this is true for you if you want to be born again. It is not a rehabilitation to hell. You don't get rehabilitated by God. You get born again by God. That's what he's come to do. He's come to give you a new life, a brand new one. And it's pure and holy and precious. It's a treasure that he gives to you and implants in you. So Paul's going, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus has made it possible for me to get free from my sin and myself and give me a whole new life. And of course then he goes on to tell us Romans 8 and I won't read the whole chapter to you but it's just beautiful about the spirit living in us. And we become children of God who call him Abba Father. I've received a new life. When we went to Queensland, young people, Ticker Hill and others, we went to a, a church with Lydia. Where's Lydia? There she is at the back. It was her 13th birthday, I think it was. Was it? No? Which, which birthday was it? 11th? Nine. Ninth birthday. And we went to this Baptist church on holiday and they found out it was her birthday and they sang this. Happy birthday to you, only one will not do. Take Christ as your saviour and you will have two. Thank you, Arnis. Two birthdays. That's what they sang in our service. Exactly. You need to be born again. You need to receive from heaven the gift that God wants to give you. Remember the woman at the well? She had had four husbands trying to live a, a, a life of faithfulness and failed every time. And Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, 
And who it is asking you for a drink? You would have asked him, he'd give you living water. Hallelujah, eh? This is, this is heaven come down to dwell in us, to make us new creatures. But we have to see the self-life is wretched. And this is not the counselling that you receive in the world today. The self-life is to be preserved and nurtured and, 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 and comforted. And, and <laughs> she said, no. He who loves his life will lose it. But he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Because you'll receive a new life from God. Sadly, many young people commit suicide because they're so upset with themselves. They're so down on themselves. They're so feeling, I can't do this, like Paul is describing in Romans 7. They actually take their lives because they don't believe that God has provided a gift for them to save them. God has provided the means to rescue us from our sinful condition, our wretched condition, and give us a whole new life from heaven. This is the good news of the gospel. Because Jesus says, just after having said this about the grain of wheat, he says, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. As Anna said today, I think you said today, some of those people were... were, uh, you know, no, no, I was listening to another man today preaching early this morning. Sorry, Johannes. Jesus said to the religious leaders, your father is the devil. Why is that? Because the self-life is under the control of the devil. He can control it because sin is his doorway of access. But Jesus says, now will the rule of this be cast out. He'll no longer have control over you. You can come under the lordship of Jesus and be protected. He's a shepherd. He loves you. He'll look after you. He'll care for you. He'll guide you. He'll lead you. He'll fill you with his spirit. This is the life God has purposed for every person who would come to Jesus Christ and believe in him. The central teaching of the whole New Testament is one truth. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You have to receive him, his spirit, into your heart. You have to come humbly and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm wretched. I I keep doing the wrong thing when I want to do the right thing. Lord, forgive me. Lord, come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I know I need to be born again and he will do all that you ask him. Because he died, so this could be true for you. And then Paul says this amazing statement. He makes a declaration of what a Christian is in Galatians 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's actually his faith because he's in me. Not my faith. It's the faith of Christ released in me through his spirit dwelling in me. 
I've been crucified with Christ. You'll see on your service sheet, I was trying to work out the cryptic picture that was on your service sheet. My lovely daughter who works with me in the office, she made this picture herself. That's our cross in the foyer there. And on, on, on that cross is a yellow thing. And I thought this guy was trying to put a, 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 a topping on this. But it's actually the eye being crucified. Oh, thank you, Lydia. I have been crucified with Christ. Let me ask you this question. What is the middle letter of the word sin? <laughs> there you are. You see? The middle letter of the word sin is I. But you can take your I to Jesus. You can lay it on him. All your sin. And he will take it away. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then you can ask him to fill you with his spirit. And you will be born again. And you will experience the noumenal world breaking into the phenomenal world, transforming your life and going on and on and on, conforming you to be just like Jesus, full of his love, full of his truth, able to resist the things of this world. So Paul actually tells us in his writing to the Colossians, put to death... What is earthly in you? Put it to death. The I life. Put it to death. Seek the Lord. He says you've put on a new nature. A new self. That's what Colossians 10 is, 9 and 10. Seeing that you've put, on, put off the old self and put on the new one. And have put on the new self. And it's the new self, the new indwelling presence of God in you that is being renewed. Not the old one. Not the rehabilitated old one that is full of sin. It's the new one that's being renewed. That's what he says in Colossians 10. Have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So as you nurture, as you feed this new life through his word, through prayer, you will find that life strengthened, nurtured, growing, released in you to flow out of you into this world. But we have to come to the place where we, like John Newton, can sing from the depths of our heart. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. The good news of Jesus Christ challenges the philosophy of the Enlightenment for the noumenal world has broken into the phenomenal world to transform you and me to be new creatures, children of the living God. Hallelujah. Amen.